said, you just throw that motherfucker I'm telling the story, Meryl. The, the, the brazen confidence you in ruined, which she flings it you over. You ruined the narrative tension. Hello and welcome to Grumble Pack. Hello and welcome. I get to go first this time. My name is Jasmine Gower. I am a fantasy author and freelance editor. You can find me on Twitter at JAS underscore Gower. And you can find my author website at jasminegower.com and my editing website at publishing.jasminegower.com. And I am Eli, or Elijah. I am primarily an illustrator and a game dev. You can find my work primarily on my Twitter at E-L-I-D-E-E-Art, or on my portfolio site at eliwinstrom.com. I just then almost accidentally called myself an influencer, and now I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was earlier thinking about, like, what happens when, like, a podcast gets popular? Like, what is that title on your resume look like and the first word that came to mind was influencer and I hated it and I wanted to die. I think well if it was me I would put producer. Okay that was it because I was making a joke to myself privately about calling Tally an executive producer on two separate podcasts (laughs) (laughs) and then I was like but from there like anyway. Now you got me thinking about it and I'm upset with my life path. Anyway, next time I get money, I'm buying myself a bunch of nasty black leather, and that's all I'm going to wear, because I want to look like a Bloodborne character 24-7. I look like a hunter. Yeah, maybe less blood splatters. Maybe more. Who knows? Uh, With the way the world is going right now. It's not so much, I don't know if you've played Bloodborne recently, it's not so much splatters <laughs> as it is a nice thick coat of paint. Mm-hmm. And everything is just nice and greasy all the time. Very oily. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about Bloodborne today, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. We've talked about it some, but mm-hmm. I'm in the mood to talk about it again. I started a new playthrough a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I was thinking, by the time we got to recording this episode, it's like, I'll be, I'll be like all the way to <laughs> Bergenworth by then. Stuck on Daddy Werewolf. Fucking again. Daddy Werewolf. I refuse to try and say his name because I will butcher it. Which, of course, means that I need to subject everyone it, and you to me it, saying the phrase Daddy Werewolf. It's Father Gascoigne, and <laughs> I, I feel like I should know how to say it because I have, like, worked professionally with people who have that name. <laughs> but uh, but it's more fun to call him Daddy Werewolf. It really is. <laughs> I have fun names for all the bosses. Yes. I remember uh, from the horror episode, the amygdalas are your wives. My wives. We've got a, a church dog. Love, love a good church dog. Got meat centaur. I like uh, I like the babysitters club. I like wet, wet dog. dog a lot. Wet dog's good. <laughs> As uh, you can see, got Scully. You're not gonna believe this. We are pro gamers, <laughs> and we have. Gotten, I take Bloodborne more very seriously. We've gotten very good, as the kids say. <laughs> My most recent playthrough was the I refuse to take this shit seriously anymore playthrough, mm-hmm. where um, I popped in there with a good-looking anime boy who I named Elias, which I didn't think about until I realized, hey, my name's Eli... Oh, shit. (laughs) But he has a pink beard and gigantic blue eyes. Bloodborne really lets you get up in there in the face meat and scooch it around. Which is wild because you will never see your character's face. You won't. But let me tell you, white skin and pink hair... 
practically glows in this game. It sure does. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a dark and gritty game. Should we explain what Bloodborne is just in case anyone who's listening is like, I don't know what this is. We can we can pretend to have but an I'm, air of professionalism. But yes, I'm here, here to hear about it. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Bloodborne is a uh, from software title. It's considered part of the Soulsborne mythos, <laughs> uh, the Soulsborne cinematic universe. Uh, it was released in 2015 on the PS4. It's, as far as I can tell, considered like the best PS4 exclusive in existence. It's so, so good. It's very good because it's from software. It's one of those. It's considered very difficult on purpose games. Yeah. And I, for the longest time, was so averse to playing those just because it was one of those, like, you just got to play it and get real good at it. Yeah, I I avoided the Dark Souls series for a while because my thought was, like, I don't know how frustrated I'm going to get with that kind of battle system Mm -hmm. and I don't want to pay full price for a game that I give up on two hours in. Yeah. So I waited till Bloodborne was on sale. It's like, <laughs> I'll try this one out. Um, and and I'm, I'm glad I did. Yeah, I mean, both you and I had been interested in it for a while just because the aesthetic is oh, so... Oh, the aesthetic. Specifically targeted oh, to Oh, those us. Victorian werewolves. Mm. Delicious. <laughs> but it's a very um, hacky, slashy game. Oh, yeah. Which, even having watched, like, playthroughs and the Monster Factories for it, I kind of expected it to be more, like shooty-shooty, because... Because you have a gun. Because you have a gun, and the gun is shown pretty prominently in a lot of, like, character art. And, it and, is. But it's it's a parrying tool. It, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> do what you would expect it to do. It, it just kind of, like, throws the monsters off their game. So my first, like, direct exposure to Bloodborne was a couple of years ago, because this was when Komorikan was still on this side of the river. Right. My friend has played Lady Maria, and she also made the uh, saw cleaver. Yes, I remember that. She's so good that, at prop making. That cosplay and was just, so good. She Okay, she is incredible at just I, yeah, prop I've fabrication seen her work, and everything. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. She made a saw cleaver out of foam core, and it actually had a working hinge. Right, so, so could, she could actually do the trick weapon. She could. Maneuver. It was really cool. It was um, it was a little more fragile than the construction led on, so she clearly didn't let other people do the right, same yeah, no. thing, but it could swing open, and it was amazing. And I was like, this is cool as shit. What is this? And she was like, oh, it's Bloodborne. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but it looks really cool. I remember, I remember when she did that cosplay, and at that point in time, my brain couldn't quite differentiate between Bloodborne and Battleborne. <laughs> Which is that one game that, like, was the same as Overwatch, but yeah. not as popular, so it yeah, died. Yeah. That confusion stuck with me for a while, for a couple of years. I was just like, what? That, it's like the same game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was wrong. But yeah, my first experience playing Bloodborne, I got it one day when I was homesick. Yes. So I just did. felt like shit. And, was on, and this was when I had the shitty futon, too. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting on that futon in pain from the futon because it was so uncomfortable. And I just played Bloodborne for, like eight solid hours and I was only able to get through that like first stretch of oh, central yeah. Yarnum. Oh yeah, like the first stretch is rough. That oh god, the amount of trial and error that this game <laughs> required of me, just getting past like the first ten guys. Oh yeah. I, I still remember going through this the first time. I, 
we've just had this conversation, but I want to out you to the rest of the world now. That's for fine. It, yeah, go. Is um, the first time I had played uh, was you had played a, a pretty solid stretch of it, and you were giving me like small little tips of pointers, and you were like, "Oh, oh, there's gonna be a guy around the corner there." And at one point, I was just like, "Okay, okay, I've made it through. I'm gonna go back to the dream. I'm gonna heal up, and then I'm gonna go and deal with the rest of the guys." And you sat there <laughs> and let me do that. <laughs> Not knowing that all of the monsters are going to respawn. You gotta learn. <laughs> you gotta learn the hard way in this game. Oh that's my God. that's the real way to play it. And the, the crushing, chest-tightening fear I felt when I saw the first enemy with the, um, I want to call them executioners because they're those yeah. dudes with the hoods and the big axes. Yeah, the big, you big grand boys. Just find one of those dudes in Central Yarnum if you're poking around in corners. I mm-hmm. saw that, and I think I noped out so hard I stopped playing the game. Because <laughs> I was like, if I don't go in that direction, I don't want to play anymore. That That's a good call, because those guys will fuck you up. Oh yeah, they still fuck me up. Like Those guys are rough. I On my second playthrough of Bloodborne, I've been doing a little bit better. It didn't take me quite as long to get through Daddy Werewolf. I still flipped up real bad, and I think I won because of the glitch, because he did disappear at one point. Oops. <laughs> I think he got stuck, like, half under the stairs, and then I just got in there and wailed on him. Oh. I managed to take out Vicar Amelia, like, in my second try. Nice. Which was, woo! I feel like once, this game, more than any other game I've played, I feel like confidence Oh, yeah. really is vital. And oh, once yeah. you get to Vicar Amelia, or at least for me, once I got to Vicar <laughs> Amelia, I was feeling confident enough that it's okay. like, yeah, I got this. Even though she did kill me the first time. You just but, gotta fucking sprint through it sometimes. Yeah. The amount of lore that this game has that it doesn't throw at you directly, I think is something that keeps me very, very interested. It is. It does have a very interesting method of storytelling. Like, it's mm-hmm. entirely environmental. Yeah. Basically. I remember the first time when I was playing, Stacy came by at a certain point. I was like, probably 10 or 12 hours into the game by this point. And she's like, so what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm fighting these werewolf monsters. And she's like, I know, but why? And I was like, I don't know. Because they're attacking me I first. have no idea what's going on. Yeah. But it was still just so gripping. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first few crumbs of story that it gives you all that shit about the pale bloods mm-hmm. then that doesn't go anywhere it doesn't it, it's just like oh you gotta find out the mystery of the pale bloods <laughs> and five hours into the game you're gonna forget you ever heard that phrase oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and you it just doesn't matter it doesn't ever come up the storytelling is such that the line fear the old blood is clearly very important but if the game hadn't told me it was important i wouldn't have known also it doesn't fucking mean anything. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's a it's a passcode to get through a door later yeah. on. If the game hadn't directly told me that that was the passcode, I would not have figured that shit out. Yeah. Like, and it's little things, like, if you go back to the first room you spawned in, someone is waiting there, and you talk to her through the door, and she's like, hey, send people to my clinic. Do you know the other thing about that? What other thing? About the, the aliens? Or? No, I guess we should <laughs> diddle spoiler yeah, warnings obviously, on this. Spoiler warning. the, the story is abstract and ambiguous but god it has some wild twists uh if you go to that door before you beat i think it's the cleric beast Mm -hmm. the doctor yosefka Mm -hmm. will be like i can't let you in yep because you're sick Mm -hmm. have some of my blood that's the most i can do for you if you go back later the doctor yosefka she has a different voice 
and is like, send people my way. Mm -hmm. Now I'm totally cool with people coming in here and getting my patients sick. And then you find out she has turned people into aliens. It's other things like the nun you can recruit into the um, She's so shady. She's very shady, but like... At one point, you were telling me to go talk to her, and she was going just like, go away, go away, and you didn't know why. Oh, she yeah, I, I learned why. So did it I. Is. Yeah. It's because it's if you are clothes. wearing the right kind of outfit, she will trust you. Yeah. In general, when you're looking at where you are and what the enemies are like, there's some sort of cohesive narrative, even if all of the right. pieces aren't falling into place. But then, there's aliens. But at there's one point. aliens at one point. At one point, there's aliens. And I know there's a whole, like, cosmic horror situation, gods, aliens thing. Yeah, the, the narrative turns from Victorian werewolves to Cthulhu monsters pretty, yeah. pretty late in the game. Yeah, uh, and it's a a pretty good twist, honestly. Oh, yeah. It's and the the learning about the like abominations and amygdalas that you just couldn't see because of the insight meter. So that's good. good shit. It's especially good because you can't see them. Oh no! Until a certain still... point, but they can fuck up your shit. Oh, they can. Which like getting grabbed by one of those if you don't have enough insight is deeply terrifying. It's got some. Some spooky monsters, though. Yeah. And some... I mean, the spooky monsters always kind of match where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they're at. The um, There are a lot of... The pigs kind of just show up wherever. The pigs are interesting. Because mm-hmm. there's one in Yarnum. There's one in Yarnum. There's one in the forest. Mm-hmm. I think there's two in the forest. There might be two in the forest. Yeah, the pigs are kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But I do like once you get to the nightmare realm, mm-hmm. which I always forget what it's called. You see giant pigs there, but they're covered in eyeballs. Yeah. And that's spooky. I do like the slightly more fucked up versions of monsters. Yeah. Like the that's... toothy werewolf things. Those things are cool. Oh my god. The, the scariest monster in the game to me is the, like... Frankenstein werewolves, mm-hmm. whose tails are just human legs. Yeah. That fucks me up yeah. so bad. <laughs> it's it's oof. I mean the worst the worst monster is the giant spiders, but that's <laughs> that's the second worst monster. I I honestly think like narratively the scariest part of the game is that you can run into other hunters and they will fight you. Yeah. Because the the concept of having someone who theoretically is on your side just attacking you on sight and you mm. not having an option to like talk through it or anything yeah. because they're also strong is it's uncomfortable and scary to me. It is, especially since some of the hunters do talk to you and some mm-hmm. of them you can reason with if you take the back door to get to them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure um, Eileen. Eileen, yeah, will. Yeah. I think you can fight Eileen. Mm-hmm. I apparently have gotten like the one ending with Eileen that nobody else gets, in which she gets murdered by Henrik right oh. in front of me. Oh God! Everything I've seen about Eileen is like you. You can make different choices with her character mm-hmm. arc to get different results, but I, it for me, she just got murdered by Henrik. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that, um, I can't remember his name because, uh, he went by so fast, but the guy with the Gatling gun in Old Yarno. <laughs> you knocked off the tower. God, it took me like 10 tries to beat him and you beat him in one because you hit him twice and he backstepped off the tower and fell to his death. <laughs> he was very good at his job. But yeah, he's the one I 
I've heard you can befriend if you take the back door to get there, but to do that, you have to beat um, Dark Beast Parl first. Uh, that's so much of that's so much of fucking around in Old Yarnum with the Gatling gun on your ass. Yeah, like, I I don't want to do that. I have enough trouble with that one big cathedral full of like frenzy beasts. Yeah, that's oof. That's rough. And I have not gotten as far in the game as you have. I think I got... Oh, God, I hit one of the bosses and then had to stop playing. I just made it to the um, that area on the lake with... Um, I think where you actually end up fighting Yosefka. That would be in her clinic. It's fighting one of the ladies. <laughs> oh. Cause you mean Bergenworth? Fight... Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I okay. made it to Bergenworth. It's like, because there, there is a, a hunter in robes there who, okay, that who might, will fuck you that up. That might be who it is. There's, there's like, stairs where you have yeah. to fight. That one has fucked me up. Yeah. Um, and I had to stop playing at that point because I was getting really frustrated of having to sprint through a bunch of brain suckers to get there. Yeah. And now I'm playing my lovely anime boy. Very good. And I, this is one of those games where I, like, went down the awful rabbit hole of half-watching Bloodborne Explained videos because I want more lore, but every single, like, smarmy asshole dude who thinks he knows what Bloodborne is I, about is wrong. I really need cisgender men to stop having opinions about Bloodborne because they don't fucking get it. They don't. It's Like, I know this game was mostly made by cisgender men, but y'all don't fucking get it if you don't get, like, all of the pregnancy and the blood and... Yeah. My, you don't get what's going on. My favorite theory so far is still that the blood vials that you inject yourself with is probably menstrual blood because of the... Well, the, like, final, final, final boss mm-hmm. is... I think it's called the moon phase, is its name? Yeah, like, damn. It's like, it, the final boss is menstruation. Come on. <laughs> Come on. And there's that whole rebirth imagery after the birth imagery of you eating the, uh... The umbilical cords? Yes, the umbilical cords. Um, several of the women get pregnant with monsters and die during childbirth. There's a wet nurse as one of the main... One of the... That's one of the final bosses, too. <laughs> one of the final bosses is a wet nurse. nurse. Like, come on, guys. And this is only slightly related, but the amygdalas are your wives. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and um, the the Odin temple attendant is my beautiful husband. Uh, they don't have a name or a gender, but they're my beautiful husband. <laughs> Apparently they do have legs. Were you huh. the one who told me that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're just I always crossed assumed, up under there. I always assumed they just didn't have legs. No, they're just hunched they're over way, really far. They're way down on the floor there. <laughs> They're very sweet and awkward, and I like them. And they I, get really sad. They do get really sad. Oh my god, when you get to the final phase of the night, they, it's fucked up for them. But I really like the Odin travel attendant because, like, they're sincerely trying to help the people in this town. Yeah. Even though the people in this town are just fucking assholes. They're assholes. All and- of the people you can save except for Adriana, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. They all suck. Oh, yeah. The thing about the, the, the chapel attendant is that they explicitly say that these people that they're trying to help are, like, extremely shitty to them personally because yeah. they're, like, a beggar. Yeah. Oh, my God. And they're There's... just sitting there going, like, I just want to have a safe little haven for people here. There's one point I talked to them, I think after I saved the old lady, and mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, she yelled at me and doesn't like it when I look at her, but it's nice to have company around. <laughs> yeah. I am so mad that these... People that I'm saving are so shitty to my friend here. I still remember the the thing, uh, back to the, the storytelling of this game, 
it has a lot of blink and you'll miss it storytelling. Yeah. And I will put this in there because of how fast I move through the levels because I'm fucking terrified all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, at one point, there is someone who you can, can rescue. There is a beggar who you can rescue. And what you're supposed to see when you go into the set piece with him is him hunched over a body eating it. Yes. And so it's I've very clearly guy, like, yeah. this guy is evil. Don't let him into the temple. Um, but if you're like me... What you come upon is you see a guy cowering next to several bodies after you just slaughtered an animal that eats people. And so you're like, so I am like, oh, holy shit, I know where you can go and be safe. And then he goes there and slowly picks off all of the people who are already in the temple. Yeah, see, I I didn't <laughs> trust that guy, so I'm glad. I also didn't trust the, like, what's the just really nasty guy. I don't remember what he's called. Is like the, the sarcastic guy, man or something. Is that the man who doesn't listen to you when he you does, to go somewhere? He does the opposite of yeah. what you say. So when <laughs> I met him, I was like, you should go to Yosefka's place. Because I didn't at that point mm-hmm. know what happened when they go to Yosefka's yeah. place. But I was pretty suspicious of yes. it. So I'm like, I don't care what happens to this guy. I'm like, you should go to Yosef- Yosefka's place. And he's like, I know you're trying to trick me. I'm going to go to the Fuck Odin off. Chapel. And it's like, okay, well, fine. I guess he lives here now. <laughs> Uh, and he ends up going the least bonkers in the final phase mm-hmm. of Night, so it's actually kind of nice having him around toward the end game. Because <laughs> he's just his usual nasty self while everyone else is just, like, giggling maniacally, and that's yeah. all they can do. Oh, regarding the Odin Chapel attendant and the shady digger, who is definitely a werewolf, mm-hmm. he picks off people while you're gone, and the way you figure this out is you go to where they, they're posted up in the temple, and there's a right. couple of blood splatters. Right. And then you go to talk to the chapel attendant, and they are beside themselves. They are oh no, so sad because they're, I think the old lady is the first to go. And he's like, that old lady, she was taken in the night. I can't help but thinking this is my fault for inviting oh, someone here who shouldn't be here. And it's heartbreaking. Oh. It's, I, I felt so bad. And that's also part of the reason I wanted to restart the game. Because I didn't like the beggar friend. <clears throat> Also, if you attack them, they turn into one of those electrical beasts, which, Ooh. at the point when you first find him, holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit, you cannot fight one of those. No. And then, um, because of where he chills out just outside of the chapel, uh, you are basically completely boned uh, for getting out of the chapel at that point. Uh-oh. I ended up buying a bunch of Molotov cocktails and hurling them through the door because he can't actually get into the chapel. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, cheesing I did, I think, in the first round of this game. I mean, early on in the game, that's how I beat werewolves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They can't get through the door, so I just lure them to doorways. You gotta cheese it sometimes. Sometimes I just gotta (laughs) cheese it. This is really one of those games where at some point I'm going to have to, like, take my time and look at all the little details of it after I've played it for the first time through. Because the immaculate fucking detail on all of the, like, not even just the characters, but the level design it's, and the, the yeah, set dressing, it's, incredible. it's beautiful. And every single detail is amazing. And oh, goddamn from software. Every speck of Victorian grime is so <laughs> deliberately incredible. placed. It's amazing. It's, it's so good. I still don't know what that door in the big pit room does because I've never been able to make it there. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't? No. Oh my god. <laughs> oh wait, no. Are you talking about the one guarded by the amygdala? No, 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 no. There is, um, um, at one point, there is a... Or the uh, one past that big giant with the big ball that's... No, there is, um, at one point, there's that tower that you're climbing. Yes. And then there's a room you get to that's a big, empty room with, like, 
boards sticking out of it and you have to do an awkward little oh yeah the workshop yeah yeah there's a door on one of those platforms and i've never been able to make it to one of those i i have do you want to know where it goes to please it goes to the original hunter's workshop that (gasps) the hunter's dream is based on oh that's so tasty which segues into another point that i have i don't know if you've done any of the dlc um, I have done some of the, I don't think the um, Chalice Dungeons are DLC, are they? No. Okay, no. All right, hit me with that DLC. One. So the DLC, I forget exactly how you access it. You have to get like an item in the forest, I think, mm-hmm. and then you have to get caught by one of the amygdalas, and it teleports you to the Hunter's Nightmare, which is a kind of like full daylight but very warped version of Central Yarnum. Then, yes, I I found that accidentally. Yeah, so I don't know how far you've gotten into it then. Not very far, it's very difficult. if you go, like, I mean, you'll you'll notice immediately some of it looks vaguely familiar, but it Mm -hmm. looks like it's been overgrown by this, like, sandstone Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, if, if you keep going through the area, you'll pass through set pieces that you recognize from real Yarnum, mm-hmm. just slightly warped in ways. I love that. And after playing through that a couple of times, because it's very hard and you have to play <laughs> through it several times, because you will die a lot, once I got back to, like, regular Yarnum, even in this, like, new playthrough that I'm doing, where I haven't gone to the DLC at all yet, I'm getting confused about, like, whether I'm in real Yarnum or the dream Yarnum. Oh my god. Because the, like, the layouts of the areas are just slightly different enough, but also just similar enough to be legitimately disorienting. That's wild. And that is some delicious fucking level design. There's one part, I don't know if you remember in Yarnum, there's this like old house and there's two Yarnumites on the ground floor and two at the top floor. Yes, that house that I had to go through so many goddamn times. Yeah, and on the ground floor, one of the Yarnumites is like this old man in a wheelchair who will turn around and shoot you if he notices you there. So in The Hunter's Nightmare, there's this one part where it's that house, but kind of tilted a Mm -hmm. little bit. And you start, you enter it from the top floor and go down to the ground floor. You see the first Yarnamite with the sword kill him. And then you can see in the background, it looks like there's the guy in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I remember this from real Yarnum. He's going to turn around and shoot me if I don't get him first. So you run towards him. It's a fucking trap. It will explode and kill oh you. Oh my god. There's oil all over the oh floor. My god. It will ignite. I love that. Like, I hate that for you, but I, I love that. I know. That. Like, when it happened, I was just like, <laughs> they fucking got me. I know. There's, this is... I thought I had them figured out, but no. Bloodborne has ignited me in me a feeling that I didn't think a video game could give me, which is, like, an instant rage-quelling, like, oh, damn. Because... It's, it's a, like, respectful, <laughs> like, rivalry with the game it's, itself. It's so good because you feel the, what the fuck? And then you think about it for two seconds and you go, oh, my God, that was really good. Yeah. But yeah, I think the best example of that is at the very beginning of the game, mm-hmm. when you don't have your weapons, oh, yeah. and you see that first werewolf. You're trying to punch that dog. You're trying to punch it to death, and it's like, technically you can punch it to death, yes. but you're probably not going to if you're yes. if it's your first time playing the game. And then you die, and it's like, initially it's like, what, what was I supposed to do? I don't have a weapon, there's a werewolf right there. Mm-hmm. But then you wake up in the hunter's dream, and like, the whole story starts at that point, yeah. basically. And it's like, oh... I was supposed to die, and it, like, was a natural introduction to kind of, like, the way death works in this game. Yeah, and just, like, also just subtly priming you to the fact that you're gonna die You're gonna die, and you kind of have to just get over that. Yeah. Which I know makes me sound like a pretentious... 
get good motherfucker, but no, that's, that's how the game is played. Like, sincerely, like the point of the game, like yeah. it's about dying mm-hmm. over and over. It's about cycles. Yeah, it's about fucking. It's <laughs> about cycles. It's about like cycles. the menstrual cycle. <laughs> well, because the because one of the endings we've already put up the spoiler warning on this one. So yeah, because one of the endings is just that you wake up and the cycle starts again. Yeah, like. It's fucking. That's the whole point. Yeah. Which is, it's one of the. All of the endings are really upsetting, honestly. They are, but they're all about that that cycle happening. Mm -hmm. And you either become an unwilling part of the cycle, someone who traps other people in the cycle, or you don't give a shit about the cycle anymore. (laughs) Someone else's problem to continue the cycle. (laughs) Or you become a slug baby and possibly have the power to make your own new cycle. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the metaphor for becoming a mother. Yes. <laughs> if we're just gonna Which is weird away. because you do become a baby slug. You do. And then your wife becomes your mother. And your wife becomes your mother and holds you like a baby. <laughs> even though you're a slug. <laughs> you're a really big slug. You're a really big slug. Well, it's because you're like a god, but... You know, whatever. whatever. But yeah, I would, I would love to hear some takes on Bloodborne from not cis heterosexual white men for yeah. once in my goddamn life. Well, I've talked, I talked before in the horror episode about this game has a lot to say about, like, class and oh, yeah. disability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say the wildest thing happened to me playing this game the first time. So the first character you meet is the blood minister, mm-hmm. who really is just in that one cutscene. Yeah, I don't think you ever see him again. He doesn't show up anywhere else in the game, as far as I know. So I was playing the first time, that character comes and goes, and then you meet Garman in the hunter's dream. And I was really confused when I met Garman, because I'm like, is this the same guy as before? Because he has a different voice and outfit but he's in a wheelchair also and the blood minister was in a wheelchair and it can't be possible that a video game would give me two separate characters that both use wheelchairs because mm-hmm. video games they don't do that don't include disabled characters except as tokens Mm-mm. but but that's they what happened yeah it's two separate characters who just yeah. use wheelchairs yeah and i was like what this is amazing. I think even whole- though Garman fucking sucks. Yeah, is, and isn't there a whole other character that also uses a wheelchair? The the guy who points you across the lake to fight Rom. Yes, I don't. I can't remember if that's a wheelchair or if it's just a chair and he's just yeah. posted up there eternally. But um, God, what was his name? Wilhelm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was his name. But there's a lot of characters who oh, use yeah. wheelchairs. A lot of the Yarnamites have wheelchairs, and you can see wheelchairs just kind of scattered around the town, not in, like, spooky asylum no. of in wheelchair kind of way, just like someone left their bike out, except it's their wheelchair. Yeah. Talking to the few people in Yarnum who aren't out wandering around being part of the hunt, it's like there's children. Yeah. Rich people. Mm-hmm. Who can afford to stay in their homes because they have a home. And people who are not quite so rich and therefore some part of them or their family has been exposed to the hunt and they get eaten by their baby. Yep. <laughs> or Oh god, I forgot about that. Or they slowly get sick like your nice friend by the lantern. No. <laughs> Just slowly succumbs to, god, the, to the blood. Oh god. Gilbert. You can't save I mean you really can't save anyone in this you game, can't. unfortunately. You cannot you save really any of them. Not. I think the only way to save that little child is to not talk to her. I think so, yeah. And even then, she does still probably die because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. both of her parents are still dead. And she's stuck inside her house. I think I would prefer that to her getting eaten by the giant pig, though. I, I guess. 
Uh, little girl. Oh, I'm so sad. Did you uh, get far enough to meet the second little girl? No. Okay, she has a sister. Super. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I love that for me. Yeah, it's for good. Me. Oh, it's good. I think, I think Eileen can survive the events of the game, but I don't know how to make that happen again. In, in my game, she got killed by Henrik, which apparently was not a thing that happened to anyone else who played the game. Not, I'm going to sound really pretentious here for a second. But there is a deep, profound sadness underlying the entirety of this game on, on the human level. Of yeah, it's bleak. Mm-hmm. Everything in the game is pretty hopeless. And there's like, you can go, wow, cool Victorian monster. And then and it is very cool. It is very fucking Granted. cool. Granted. It's extremely fucking cool. But then you like spend two seconds looking around and talking to people, the few people who will manage to talk to you, and they're going to die, or they're going to turn on someone, or something bad is going to happen, and you can't stop that. Nope. And the first time I started playing, I got kind of mad at that, because like, I I like being able to save and be hopeful towards things, and that's like, that's my main issue with a lot of horror games, is they don't give you the ability to save, but they do it in like a grimdark... Right. Everything is awful and you shouldn't care about people way. This is like, it really wants you to care about people. It does. Like, giving you the option to save NPCs at all, mm-hmm. even though ultimately you're only saving them for what is in-game time just a few hours. Yeah. You're prolonging their lives, but... Yeah, I mean, even that is a level of I, hopeful that like, yeah. a lot of games don't give you. I, I still feel better about bringing Adela into the chapel where she will just be <laughs> viciously envious of Ariana or whatever her mm-hmm. name is, and then go completely gibbering insane. Mm-hmm. I would rather have that happen than just leave her to die in this, like, abandoned jail cell. Yeah, it's about, like... Where she thinks, like, God has abandoned her. It's about, like, little moments of kindness in, like, a deeply horrific world state, yeah. which is, um, now that I'm saying it out loud with my human mouth, is Seems hitting... Impertinent. It's hitting very close to home right now. Seems like it does matter a bit. It's shit. And still, I as... go play Bloodborne now. As... Like, as bleak as the world is in Bloodborne, one character who does survive no matter what is the doll. Mm-hmm. And she is always hopeful. She's like, hopeful. just the way she talks to you and the things she does for you, like, gameplay-wise, mm-hmm. she's just this really reliable source of, like, allyship in this what otherwise seems like insurmountable quest to do you don't even know what but she'll help you do it and she'll like emotionally support you along the way and i think an important function of the doll as well is remembrance Mm -hmm. because it's implied that she remembers previous cycles and she straight up mourns previous hunters Mm -hmm. in this dream and i think that's also an important part of this hope and kindness thing is if one person remembers stuff that has passed and the people that are gone it's it it keep it hi sorry real emotions are happening and it's making it really hard for me to talk now the the remembrance is important i'm going to i'm going to go full pretentious and sad go, right now go, go. Um, we're talking about bloodborne we're not going to sound unpretentious <laughs> at any point here so um i'm going to bring up my favorite author in the world right now and um, how people remember him currently, because he, he did die um, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. which is Terry Pratchett. 
And when people mention him online, the thing that you're supposed to say is G-N-U, Terry Pratchett. Because in one of his books, there's the line of, a man is not dead while his name is still spoken. And there was a uh, system of telegraphs, essentially, in the world that he created, where when one of the telegraph operators died, what you would do is you would send his name along the telegraphs with the letters G-N-U. And that would mean that one of the letters meant that it got passed along to the next Klax Tower. When it hit the other end, it would get sent back around. And it would do that indefinitely, essentially keeping this person alive by continuing to have their name run through the Klax Towers and be remembered by each person who operated them. And that is, it's, it's stuck with me a lot in like remembrance and grieving and that sort of thing. And that's, I think what the doll strikes me of is her purposes is remembrance. And like you said, hope for the current person suffering through the cycle. This is totally off topic from Bloodborne, <laughs> but I am really glad that you just told me that about mm-hmm. Terry Pratchett's books because I did um, at Worldcon over the summer meet some of Terry Pratchett's old friends mm-hmm. and they were talking to us about like funny things that Terry Pratchett yeah. did when he was alive. It was like one of the the best like interactions <laughs> I had at all Worldcon. So that's it's very sweet. Knowing yeah. that that like was in the spirit of what he wrote about too. Yeah. But yeah, onto the doll again. <laughs> The other thing, the extension of what you were saying about Membrance, too, is I think it's important, too, that the doll only is animate when you have insight, mm-hmm. kind of implying that she might just be a figment of your imagination. <laughs> but that's kind of good enough, too. Like, yeah. if if you can even imagine having hope about something, like, mm. that, sometimes that's enough to get you through. All right, so this episode actually got a lot more upsetting than I was expecting it to. Yeah. <laughs> Can we go back to calling the dude Daddy Werewolf? That makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also, I think, going to immediately go play Bloodborne for a bit. <laughs> I it's wanna... a really good game. It's a good uh, game. What's, what's your favorite Bloodborne weapon? We haven't talked about the rat-ass weapons hardly. That's true, that's true. I honestly, I'm pretty basic and I do love the sock cleaver just because it's too. It... sick. <laughs> Really good. I do like that Bloodborne kind of the weapon upgrade system makes it so you can pick up new weapons mm-hmm. and get them up to speed with your old weapons, yeah. but you could also just keep the same weapon throughout the game if you want. But so much of the game is also just learning like mechanically with your Powder, own human yeah, fingers yeah. what <laughs> buttons to push. And I think that kind of locked me into the saw cleaver right away. Exactly, yeah. I love that saw cleaver, and it's like some of the other weapons are really cool, but this, yeah. I know how to use the saw cleaver. <laughs> And it's, aesthetically, I kind of adore the designs of all of them. Oh, yeah. Except maybe the, um, you said on fire. That one is rad as fuck, but it's, I can't stand it for some reason. The, the big, like, the one with a little cast iron oven on the end. I love that one. It's very cool, but for some reason I think that one tips just over the edge for me of like, okay, all right. Well, it's like a big hammer with a little (laughs) cast iron oven at the end of it and put some fucking coals in it and then it's on fire. Yeah. I love the uh, the whip cane because that it fulfills the very very silly need I have for there to be a fucking sword inside a cane if you don't if you're not yeah, yeah, using yeah, yeah. it as a cane because like why the fuck else would you need a cane if you're not using it? Frankly, I believe that cane should have swords in them even, <laughs> even if like you are using it as a cane. <laughs> oh, that'd be don't know if you've read my book Moonshine. <laughs> Pro cane swords in this household. <laughs> Now, there is one that I 100% 
do not know if it is a soul's weapon or a bloodborne weapon. Mm-hmm. It is a sword, like a regular ass one-handed sword. Mm-hmm. And then you stick it in something really heavy on your back. A hammer. And then it becomes a big two-handed sword. Yeah, the Kirk hammer. Okay. No, wait. It becomes, it becomes a bigger a sword? fucking sword. Oh, mm. like a two-handed sword. <laughs> I don't know. I think that must be that a, might that a, might be another that must be like a soul's weapon. Because it's it, it doesn't really fit the aesthetic of Bloodborne. Yeah. Bloodborne does have the one where you have the regular sword, you stick you it into the big rock, <laughs> cement block, yeah, and, and now you now you've got a hammer, baby. <laughs> yeah, we're cooking with hammers, baby. <laughs> okay, I'm really glad we were able to bring this back around, and I think we need to do that before I try and get deep again. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. Can I talk about the collegiate Slendermans too? Please. That's my favorite monster. Please. In the the lecture hall, which is like, it's in the nightmare dimension, (laughs) I guess. But it's, you go to it at one point. It's just like a Victorian university Mm -hmm. lecture hall. And you could just open up the doors to like the classroom and sitting in the little like college desk. (laughs) is just a bunch of like slimy Slendermans. (laughs) Getting an education, and and I go through and murder them all at once. You pointed out, I think my favorite detail in that room is it's the one who just sleeps through the whole yeah. fucking thing. There's one who's just asleep the whole time. Which is even what? once you start slaughtering his classmates, he's just at his desk like, ugh. What? This is what I'm talking about when I talk about like. The, the, the flavor of these levels, that's so fucking so good. So fucking good. And it's like, I don't know what this place is supposed to be necessarily. <laughs> I don't know why it's here or why it's like the front door to the nightmare frontier, but it's full it's of these, so good. <laughs> these like melty wax men who just just trying to get their fucking bachelor's get business administration. <laughs> I do like that they're all in like graduation caps and gowns. They too. are. They're they're ready. <laughs> they're ready for their diplomas. That's that's I think all of the thoughts that I can get out currently about Bloodborne. That's all I got. I yeah. would be I would be okay having maybe another episode about Bloodborne if we ever have more thoughts about it. But right now I think that was all of the deep conversing about video games. I think I can handle yeah, for one day. That's good. Thank you for listening to this suddenly very kind of sad but hopeful episode about Bloodborne. <laughs> Uh, we will talk to y'all next time, friends. Yes. Goodbye.